0: Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and this is Shane Seegers. And Shane, what do you do here? Oh, man.
1: Uh, (laughs) Multi-site, a little bit
0: of everything. Yeah, Shane is all around helping us grow and thrive in developing our multi-site model. He helps us here in Prattville. He helps us train site pastors at uh, all of our locations. And so he's going to help me today on this final installment in our series on thriving is how to thrive through evangelism. In fact, if you open up your bulletin, you will find an insert entitled Thriving Through Evangelism. Now, Shane, when I talk about thriving through evangelism, what do you think the word evangelism, uh, what emotion comes to mind when most Christians hear that word? Fear. Okay,
1: <laughs> yeah. Anybody uh, resonate with that? I'm a little scared? You know, Knocking on doors of people you don't know, making them come to a decision hey, right now kind of
0: fearful. Yeah. And so today we want to take some of the fear out of this. In fact, point one in your outline is that Jesus wants us to thrive. Jesus wants us to thrive. And we're going to talk about uh, why that's so important. Uh, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the note below that said the apostles didn't define thriving the same way we do. When we talk about thriving, a lot of times evangelism would be Oh my goodness, well that's something that an expert needs to do. That's something I can't do. And today we want to talk about how to come to terms with that so that there's not fear that this is an opportunity for joy. Listen to the way the apostles talked about this. We proclaim to you, this is John in 1 John 1, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. We write this to make make our joy complete. And if you'd circle the word joy, I mean, when John talked about Jesus, it brought him great joy. Uh, we cannot stop telling about everything we've heard and seen. Peter and John, when they were before the council in Jerusalem, they couldn't stop. And Paul said, for the love of Christ compels us. I mean, Shane, that's a whole different take on evangelism, isn't it?
1: Yeah, because again, it's not this confrontation that you're trying to have with someone in just this one conversation, I have to make them... Change the eternal destiny of their life, and and am I equipped to do that? And am I going to be able to, you know, make my presentation and then, you know, just wait until they respond? And being fearful if we, if I do that, what's going to happen to the relationship? Because if they don't respond right, what goes on? How does our relationship uh, change or not? And that's why we have so much fear because I think we've been trained how to engage people in in a wrong way as opposed to relationally out of joy about what God has done for us because we fear so much the result that we're trying to get whether we get it or not that we forget we're sharing the good news about what God has done for us and what he's made possible for them as well and that's where great joy comes from
0: yeah well, I'm glad I mess this up because I'm writing I'm not good enough I'm not even good enough at writing to write this out okay <laughs> Uh, but I'm going to write three objections, and if you discuss these real quickly, and then I want you to pray for us here. Yeah. But with this presentation today, we're going to hit three fears when people have with evangelism. The first is, I don't know enough. That's true, right?
1: Yeah, because what if they ask me a question I don't know? You know? That's why we look and we like professionals, whether ministers or someone like John, to, to talk with someone, because what if they ask us a question that we don't know, and then I'm afraid to answer it? Is this going to you know, make it look like I don't really know what I believe? Or I'm not good enough. How can I share something about God when my life is still in process? I'm still making mistakes, you know. Um, I don't know if, that, if I'm the right person to do it. And then I don't know, have enough time because we're, we're busy. And it's kind of hard. How do I figure out when to make this time? Does this mean every Tuesday night I'm going to go and you know do knock like we used to do yeah. at church visitation? Knock on people's doors that I don't know. And I'm busy. When am I going to do that if that's the only time I share my faith?
0: Right, and so today we want to kind of break this open and say, well, how would we go about living a lifestyle of that? And uh, I'd like for you to pray for us today so that we can... So this would be something of joy because Jesus wants us to thrive. But before you pray on that, uh, that first line at the top of your outline says, Jesus wants us to thrive. Can we say that together, please? Jesus, Jesus wants Jesus us to thrive. thrive. And today I want to, we want to build a case for you that what causes us to thrive is sharing our faith. And before we pray again, also... I mean, that's true in your life, right? I mean, when you share the gospel,
1: when you introduce somebody to Christ, there's nothing that's more satisfying in the world, right? Uh, Yeah, I mean, because again, uh, I'm talking about the one who has given me life, who's changed my life. I mean, he is my greatest joy. And to talk about him is is joyful. Oh, yeah. And so today, we hope that... Just pray for us, because yeah, I'm going to get, get I keep, yeah, yeah, I keep, yeah, just, just pray. In closing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in closing, please pray. Father, I just, uh, want to thank you so much that we can get together, uh, worship you, Lord, to hear from you, uh, Lord, we always pray that you would move us out of the way that you would speak uh, through us, and, Lord, we know this is your heart, we know this is your desire, you've sent us out to go tell people this good news, and that's what it is, good news. And so, Father, I pray that you would encourage us, that you would remove maybe some of these obstacles and these fears that we have, so that we might know who are the people that you're sending us to. And God, may we feel um, confident, because it's not just that we know, it's your spirit that enables us to do it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Hey, if you need a pen, raise your hand when the was bringing it to you. You want to take some notes on this, because this, uh, this is some good stuff. Uh, evangelism, by the way, means introducing others to Jesus. This is the definition we're going to use this morning. Introducing others to Jesus by telling them the good news about Jesus. Good news. Can we say those two words together, please? Good Good news. news. I mean, that is great. If somebody, if you could go present somebody a check that was going to cover all their medical bills, and they said, would you be willing to go take this to them because they can't pay their medical bills, but I've given them a check. Would you go give them a check to cover all their bills? Would you hand it off to them? It's like, oh, could you please send somebody else? I don't want to tell them this. I mean, who would do that? You go, no, I would love to. I've been praying for them. This is so exciting. I get to tell them good news. Do you know that we get to tell people that Jesus died on the cross for all their sins? Past, present, future. To to restore a right relationship with God and that through a relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit empowers us and changes us from the inside out. You know what the writers of the New Testament called that? Good news. Can we say those two words again? Good news. The reason we thrive when we tell people about Jesus is we're telling them the same good news that somebody shared with us. And if you think back on how much your life has changed through Christ, well, to share that with others makes our joy complete. And that's exactly what John said evangelism is normal and natural. This is the second note under point two. It's normal and natural if we introduce others to Jesus as a part of our everyday life. I mean, this doesn't have to be a once-a-year project or a Tuesday night project or any other time. What if it's just part of our lives? And this is what we're talking about, having a lifestyle of sharing good news. Romans 12.1 in the message, here's what I want you to do, God helping you, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, Walking around life and place it before God as an offering. And Shane, when we're talking about not having enough time, that's where the time comes in, right? Because this is just part of what we're doing
1: already. Right. Because that's what God wants us to do. He wants to work in and through us where we are. Doesn't mean we have to, we can't go special places when we do mission trips, and those are all great opportunities. But every day, when we live this way, every day is a mission field. And wherever we are with our family, with our friends, at our workplace, and we don't have to make it so. Uh, difficult or confrontational again it's just being a people of blessing uh, thinking more about others encouraging people loving people I- intentionally for Jesus and hopefully so that we can tell people about Jesus yeah and so therefore as you go in the international
0: standard version and this is a very accurate translation of Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, as you go disciple people in all nations go and make disciples well as you go
1: not just once a week on Sunday mornings, but go and make disciples as you go. You know, I like to ask people, so, so where do you go? You know, People go to the store. They go to work. They go to school. They go out with their family and friends. These are the rhythms. These are the, the things that, that Jesus is talking about. As you are going, make disciples.
0: Yeah, and disciple people in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you uh, each and every day until the end of the age. And what we love it is when people say, you know, I met a friend, I started meeting him for lunch, or I met a friend when after a storm came, we helped him clean up some of the junk in his yard, or I met a friend, we were co-workers, and through conversations and through shared meals and through inviting him to our small group or other things, the person became a, became a disciple of Christ. And I love it when people get in the baptism pool with them, and then uh, we're baptizing them here, and they're getting baptized with their neighbor. Or their brother or their best friend. And that's what you're talking about. These people are
1: instrumental in doing the whole thing. Right. And again, that gets to the fact that it's not just certain people that can do it. God was working through them. This message of as you are going is not just to a few people. It is the responsibility of every Christian.
0: And as we do this, we thrive. I mean, I remember praying with my kids to receive Christ. And any parent, has anybody else ever done that? Pray with your children and receive Christ? If you Raise your hand if you've done that. Raise it high. That's like the greatest thing. I mean, why would I not want that? I mean, it's similar to when I introduce people to Christ and they have a relationship with them. It's kind of like when I introduce my family to other people. When I, my sons are home visiting other things, I love introducing them to people. Oh, I want you to meet my son. I want you to meet my wife. And then they come away going, wow, I really enjoyed meeting him. Well, I thought you would. I mean, it's good news. I want you to know more of my family. I love my family. I love Jesus, and I want people to know him too. I mean, what if we think this way? Then introducing Christ to people is just like introducing our family to people. It's, It's joyful. So we're going to hit seven things that you and I can do they will help us address these things. And we'll come back to these these three fears that'll help address these fears that I don't know enough, I'm not good enough, I don't have enough time. Well, if we have to put on a Billy Graham crusade in order to share our faith, yeah, I don't have, I'm not good enough, I don't know enough, I can't do that. I can't fill a stadium full of people and say the buses will wait, okay? I can't do that, all right? I understand that, you understand that. But if we do these seven things, there's seven things we can do that will be transformational as we go. First of all, we thrive when we, when we introduce others
1: to Jesus through worship. Through worship. Shane, would you read that passage for us, please? Yeah. Next, Acts 2, it says, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved.
0: Yeah. And you got the idea there when the people invited folks to come with them to worship, to have the Lord's Supper in their homes. People go, this is amazing. I mean, I love it when people are coming to a worship service that we're putting on any of our locations, and uh, they bring a friend to worship, and the people go, this was great. There was a fellow that was staying at the hotel here. where We are recording this in Prattville a couple weeks ago, and he just got invited by somebody, uh, and he came in, and uh, somebody was down in the hallway and said, well, why don't you come with me and come sit with me? And they came to a worship service, here. the guy goes, man, I've never been to anything like this. He goes, he came up and he told me, he goes, I don't even like going to church. And I go, well, you just did. And he goes, well, I know. I didn't even look at my watch one time. You weren't boring. <laughs> I go, well, thank you. In fact, he said,
1: I want what people ha- here have. And Shane, that's true, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's even what Paul said. I mean, uh, worship We we worship God and we're focused on God, but for people who don't know God, when they come into the presence of people who are worshiping God, it's like there's something real. There's something different. This is real for you. I want to know what it is that y'all are experiencing. I mean,
0: Solomon said God has placed eternity in the hearts of men, and it's true. And we deny it in our culture that the spiritual dimension of our lives is important. It is vital. And people are looking for meaning. And they're looking for hope and they're looking for forgiveness. And good news, we have all that through Jesus. That's why we worship him. He's worthy of our praise. Good news. Would you say those two words with me, please? Good Good news. news. And think if we had a chance of worship, it's like, hey, come join me for worship. You'll get some good news.
1: And the thing is, is that worship can happen here. You can invite Mm. people to come with you on Sunday. But what if I was to tell you, we have people in our church who have worship services in their home, and they invite people to come to worship services there. I'm not saying you have to, but I want you to know it doesn't always have to be just what everybody does. There's another group of people who uh, own a gym, and the last Wednesday of every month they have a they hold an impromptu worship service. They invite members from the gym and the community to come and have a worship service. They go to they go to our church, and it's because worship is so real in our life. They want people to experience it. And it's incredible. You know what? People come.
0: Yeah, and if you ask them why they do it, they go, it makes our joy complete. Secondly, here's another way. We thrive when we introduce others to Jesus through connect groups, through small groups, meeting in our homes. Uh, give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. Somebody became a follower of Christ in the home of Priscilla and Aquila, that a church that met there. It doesn't say the giant 20 acre mansion where they had hundreds of people there. You get the idea this was a small group meeting in their home. And Shane, it's possible, isn't it, that people can come to Christ before they are, and they can come to a relationship with
1: us through a small group. They don't even have to necessarily come to worship at all first. They can come to a small group. Yeah, I mean, think about it when Paul was going to a place. He wouldn't have had enough people to believe in God to necessarily have a worship service. He would have been meeting with people individually. I mean, they would have come through relationships first. And that's really what that word home means. It's not so much the structure of the house, although they didn't have church buildings, so they were meeting where people lived. It's the idea of your, your oikos, your, your network of relationships. And that's why it's so important, because we share good news through relationships, And that's really what small groups allow us to do. That's where we get to build relationships. I mean, everything that... If our relationship with God was only about corporate worship, there's so many aspects of what it means to have a relationship that we couldn't do. Because we wouldn't be allowed to to, um, talk with one another, encourage one another. Because those are things that we do in smaller uh, venues. Yeah, and so we can...
0: We can introduce people to Christ in any one of these things. The third, if you open your outline, is we thrive when we introduce others to Jesus through conversations, through conversations. And if you put an S on there, and because that's important. and I know the screen says conversation, but put an S on there, multiple conversations. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. And Shane, this is... Uh, the difference between conversation
1: and presentation, right? Yeah, I mean, just think about conversation. That, that con, that prefix, that means with. You're, you're talking with someone, not just at someone, like in a presentation. We're actually trying to, to have give and take. It's more of a dialogue as opposed to a monologue. And that gives people an opportunity to ask questions. But it also gives you an opportunity to share more about what you are experiencing and what God has done in your life. And so it's, a, it's just a great opportunity, again, because we don't want someone to feel like, okay, now I got my presen- presentation and I'm whipping it out and now you just got to sit and take it.
0: Yeah, and there's too much pressure sometimes that I have to make some finished presentation that, um, that is just polished and answers every question within five minutes and now I've got it done. Well, if we have conversations, then um, we can allow the conversations to go wherever they need to go. And if we're having a relationship with someone... It can take time. We have multiple conversations with them. There's two notes here. We must earn the right to be heard. We must earn the right to be heard. If I want to, take, um, if I want to make sure that uh, I am, have an opportunity to talk to somebody, well, I've got to spend some time building that relationship and building some trust. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. If someone asks you about Christ, uh, your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. I mean, if I want to have an opportunity to go talk to a friend who's far away from the Lord, well, if I treat them with gentleness and respect and I'm praying for the opportunity, well, then the right, when the right opportunity comes, they'll go, hey, what's going on here? I've earned the right to be heard. And the second note is that it's all about relationships. I mean, it's on the front of our bulletin jacket all the time. It's our motto here, our slogan. It's all about relationships. But that's the key, isn't it, to have meaningful conversations?
1: I, I think so. I mean, they have to see that it's real in your life. I think, you know, we all know people who, in this region of the country. If, if they're not in a relationship with Christ, it's probably not because they don't know who Jesus is. And it's not because they don't know what Jesus has done. They probably have grown up in church uh, for many years of their life. For some reason, they've been hurt or disappointed, and they've kind of drifted away. And so just inviting them to hear another presentation, they'll probably look at you and say, I've heard that before. But what really catches someone's attention is that when they see something different in you, and that's what a relationship allows us to do, because it's through multiple interactions, not just in our words, but how we live, that people really begin to say, I want what you have, because when bad things happen in your life, you seem to lean into God, not get bitter and blame God. Or when people treat you wrong, you, you forgive them. What, I want what you have. And so often when we just make it about our meetings, we don't get to live life. And that's really what they want to see. Does it really make a difference in your life? Because I tried it, but I don't know if it made a difference. And I think it's because they were just going through rules and maybe um, obligations as opposed to real relationship with Christ. And so a relationship so important because you get to show them what a real, authentic relationship with Christ looks like. And that brings us to point D
0: uh, on your outline there. We thrive when we introduce others to Jesus through eating.
1: Through eating. I mean, um, we How all many heard... of y'all can eat? I just want to make sure, because yeah, I... nobody should be disqualified from that. <laughs> I can do that. I'm committed 21 times a week. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> but what if we even took
0: one of those times during the week and said, Lord, I'd like to see if I could use one of the 21 times, not even 5%, one of the 21 times during the course of the week, I'd like to pray about meeting with someone just in order to build a relationship with them. Somebody that I don't know where they stand with the Lord. But I could build a relationship so I could have some meaningful conversations. Here's how it happened in Jesus' ministry. He called Matthew a tax collector, a notorious sinner. Matthew also went by the name of Levi. And, uh, and don't ever let that trip you up, by the way. Sometimes when there's names in the Bible, it's like, well, it doesn't say Matthew, it says Levi. Well, I know guys that are James Robert, and they go by Jim Bob, okay? I know other people named Wilfred so-and-so, and and they go by Bubba, okay? Anyway, you get the idea. So Matthew and Levi are the same guy. Matthew or Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of the religious law who were Pharisees saw Jesus eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come not to call those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. I mean, Jesus came eating and drinking with sinners, right? That's exactly
1: right. And it, it, You know, that's why so often when we're trying to get to know someone, we go on a date we go out to eat. Because something happens when you eat with people. You're able to relax. You're saying, I accept you and and who you are. I want to know more about you. That's where we get the word companion. Come means with. Pan means bread. It's who we break bread with. That's why we have this idea that a companion is a friend. It's someone we eat with. And if you're really trying to influence someone, relationships are so important that. And that's why we want to eat with people. Not just because there's just power in eating alone, but it's what allows conversations to happen when you're eating with somebody.
0: Yeah, so imagine this. If we took part of our lives, all of a sudden we say, well, I don't know enough. Well, do you know enough to buy somebody a sandwich? Yeah. I'm not good enough. Do you have good enough table manners to sit at the table with them? Yes. Well, I don't have enough time. You're eating anyway.
1: And a lot of times when we're eating, just like you're focusing on them. You're trying to become you're trying to have conversations, not so much just about what you want to say to them, but you're trying to find out about who they are. Find out what's important important to them. Because then you find areas of common interest and common ground. You find what areas they have needs in. These are other things that you can do that can help the relationship progress to where they begin to ask you, I wonder, why are you like that?
0: Yeah, and this is just praying for opportunities. If you, want, if you know a neighbor down the street, hey, I'd like to get to know them. I don't know how. Well, go have a sandwich with him. Go have a cup of coffee. That's all we're talking about. And just see where the conversation goes. If we're praying about it, God will guide it. Next point, uh, number five here, serving. Uh, we thrive when we introduce others to Jesus through serving. From Acts 9. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas, which is also a very unfortunate name, okay? She was also doing, she was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby in Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes that Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room, and then he knelt and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, get up, Tabitha. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave um, her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he presented her to them alive. The news spread through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. And you could say, Well, yeah, John, there was a miracle that happened there. That's, that's what happened there. But notice this the audience was already gathered before the miracle. You know what made all the people gather at her house? Had, the miracle didn't bring the people to the house first. What brought the people to the house were all the coats and clothes the Dorcas had made for them. Her serving allowed evangelism to happen. She wasn't the one who explained the gospel to people. Peter did, eventually. But she knew enough to make clothes. Here's what you need to know. If somebody has a need, and you have the ability to meet the need, if I see something, then I can do something. And people believe this. Uh, can I, you put a picture up of the, the slide up there from Samaritan's Purse? A bunch of us, uh, 15 of us, had a chance to go uh, down to Naples, Florida this past week and be a part of uh, some work teams cleaning up after um, the hurricane went through Florida last month in Naples. I mean, there's just trash and branches and leaves and holes and roofs. Every, oh, my. Anyway, but anyway, the, uh, uh, but the idea is that there's all kinds of things we were involved in but one of the couples that we helped just the other day was a couple from Romania. And they would come to the United States. They have, they're working here. They have green cards. They have a house. And they had some huge trees blow down in their backyard. And it was going to cost them thousands of dollars to have them removed. And they didn't have any money for it. They didn't know what they were going to do. And they, somebody advised them to call Samaritan's Purse. Samaritan's Purse sent us out there. We spent all day hauling tons of wood. I'm not joking. I mean tons of wood out of their backyard. One of the conversations I had with the guy while we're doing this, and he was helping us do all this, he said, why are you doing this? You don't know me. Why would you come to my house and spend all day doing this as a volunteer? And we were wearing these shirts that said Samaritan's Purse, helping in Jesus' name. I said, well, we're helping in Jesus' name, because in the Bible it says that if I see someone who's hungry or needing clothes or needing help, and I don't do anything about it, then my faith is worthless. And he goes, oh, I know that kind of faith. He said, I've told... Several people who said they'd be praying for me, but they haven't done anything. I've told them the needs. And then you guys show up, and you're helping me, and you don't even know me. And I said, well, this is how we want to live out our faith. And he goes, my grandmother back in Romania, she had faith like you. And at every place where we served, we gave them a Bible and prayed for them. And there were chaplains that would come around from Samaritan's first afterward and explain the gospel further. And we gave them a pretty good presentation while we were there. But we worked with these people for hours. In each case, in every place we went, we'd had the opportunity to earn the right to be heard by just meeting a need. And that opened the conversation. I mean, you understand. And so if we served them, it opened up the conversation. And there were then people inviting them to worship at the church where we were staying. It all works together. But they weren't. This was salt to them. They were going, this tastes good. I want more of this. But Shane, it doesn't even have to be an organized project. There were some people in Wetumpka, right? They met some needs just
1: because they saw a need, right? Yeah. For every person, for every site, we have so many stories. And you can have your own stories. But it's just about, like John said, seeing a need and meeting a need. In Wetumpka, um, Tom and uh, members of their church, because they had built relationships with someone, there was a lady named Paige, and she had a a need for a a wheelchair ramp. And she thought of Tom and the the people at Wetumpka because they've, They've been faithful. They've earned the right to be someone that they called upon. And so when there was a need, they got these guys together and they built a wheelchair ramp for her. There's another guy that they met through their men's group at Burger King. They meet on Tuesday mornings. On, uh, I believe it's Tuesday mornings. But uh, just having some fellowship, some encouragement in the Word. And there's this guy named Freddie that they met. And Freddie uh, is in a, in a situation in his life where it's, it's tough. And through the interactions... They began to learn more about Freddie's story and found out Freddie didn't have a car. And because he couldn't have, didn't have a car, he wasn't able to get a, a job that could help. And so somebody gave him a car out of their group. It's seeing needs and meeting needs and watching what God is doing through that that's amazing. And this is what I want you to know. It's easy. Sometimes we hear other people have these stories and we go, man, I wish God could use me like that. I want you to know every single one of you have the potential to be used by God. If you would just say, okay, God, I'm here. I'm available. Don't worry about what you don't know. Don't worry about whether you feel like you're good enough because you know what? It's always about God's goodness anyways. It's not about yours. And just trust him. And you'll be so amazed at what God does in and through you. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, and if you ask any of the people who went and none of us were qualified tree cutter downers or whatever
1: we are or roof repairment or other things like this. We joked because we saw John in orange overalls and that orange t-shirt. We thought he was on work release. It was uh, hilarious. Oh yeah. <laughs> moving, right, yeah, moving right <laughs> along. Next point. Uh, I do need to move us along anyway.
0: is Celebrations. This is uh, point F. We thrive when we introduce others to Jesus through celebrations. Next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbors, the kind of people who return the favor. Invite some people who never get invited out. The misfits from the wrong side of the tracks you'll be and experience a blessing. Underline that. You'll be a blessing and you'll experience a blessing. You'll thrive. They won't, be, they won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. What if we were putting on a birthday party, we're putting on a barbecue, we're putting on a tailgate spread anyway, and we just invite somebody to join us? My son called the other day. He goes, "Dad, my roommate doesn't have any place to go for Thanksgiving, you know." And so, can I invite him home? I went, "Well, sure." And he goes, "Good, because I already did." I was like, "Yeah, good. All right." But but he knows that it's a standing invitation. We're going to have too much food at Thanksgiving anyway. Can anybody agree on that? There's plenty for another mouth at the table. Well, that's true of birthday parties. It's true of most cookouts we have at our houses. Way there's leftovers every time. So what if I just included a neighbor? What if I included a co-worker? Hey, you want to come? I'm inviting a lot of friends over this weekend. We're going to watch the game. You want, to come, you want to come over? You want to come to a birthday party? I don't know your family. Exactly. I'd love for you to get to know my family. And now all of a sudden, I have a chance for a relationship. Then after, And we can eat together. We can have conversations together. And they go, I'd like to come with you to your church. Good. Or I invite them to a cookout. We're having our small group. And so we can go to the small group. Or you find out a need that they have, and then you can serve them. Then you can serve them. These all work together. Real quickly, uh, the seventh one, we thrive when we introduce others
1: to Jesus through recreation. Shane, would you read Colossians 3.17 for us, please? And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever. Hey, you want to go fishing?
0: Hey, you want to hit a golf ball? Maybe you're into... Cross-stitch. Are you into cross-stitch? No. Okay, anyway. uh, (laughs) But lots of, there are people who are. I mean, whatever you're doing. What if we just thought of it this way? Hey, I can include a friend. I can include a relative. They won't be on the outside looking in. And I can get to know them. I'm going
1: anyway. I've got enough time because I'm already going. And again, we're doing this for the other person. So, I mean, it might be doing something that you enjoy and you invite another person to do it with you. It could also mean you go and do something with someone else that you don't even care to do. But you're doing it because you care about the other person.
0: So these are seven things we can all do over and over again. Now, last two things, two important notes on evangelism. We must tell others about Jesus. I'm going to leave this up here. This is why this conversation part is so important. You know, there's a bumper sticker I see occasionally. It says, Preach Jesus, and if necessary, use words. And the intent is right on that, that we have to live out our faith. We've talked about that, about earning the right to be heard. But it's always necessary to use words eventually. People need to see that we're authentic by what we do. But it's very necessary for the people, because we were stretching tarps on the roof and other things. Well, so was FEMA. They were, and I'm glad they were. Okay, there are other organizations that help people out during hard times, too. We're not the only ones. And when people ask us, that gives me a chance to give me, you know, Peter said, always be ready to explain the faith you have. We need to be ready to explain it. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And listen to this. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Now, look, this is... This is good news. And, and right after that, unless someone tells them right in the words, good news. Forgiveness of your sins, eternal life, peace and joy that overflow in your heart, power to live life as you always wanted through the Holy Spirit. Good news. Yeah, we must tell them. I mean, how are they going to figure it out? The, the conversation, Shane, that connects the dots, right? It does,
1: because otherwise they might just think, well, you're just a good person, or you just really care a lot, which is, could be true. But the fact is, is, again, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And ultimately, we need to tell them about Jesus. I mean, Scripture tells us we can look outside and know there's a God, but we still need more information that He has to tell us about Himself so we can have a relationship. They can look at you and know that there must be a God and that someone loves them. But you need to tell them who that God is and who Jesus is and what he's done for you and what he's done for them.
0: The, other, the last point that we can, uh, that I want to say today is this. We must offer unconditional friendship. Uh, the people who are helping clean up those yards, we were cleaning up those yards whether the people uh, profess faith in Christ that day or not. We're going to still do the kind work. If I'm going to be a genuine friend to people, I'm going to invite them to worship whether they come back or not. Yeah, thanks for coming to worship last week. I'm not coming back. Okay, I don't want to be your friend anymore. What? And that wouldn't be real. Paul, when he was in prison, he reasoned uh, with them. He reasoned with the, the rulers there who were holding him in prison. As he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control for the coming day of judgment, Felix became frightened. Go away for now, he replied. When it's more important, When it's more convenient, I'll call for you again. He also hoped that Paul would bribe him, so he sent him... Quite often, sent for him quite often and talked with him. After two years went by this way, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, and because Felix wanted to gain favor with the Jewish people, he left Paul in prison. Paul had been imprisoned uh, for preaching the gospel, and this ruler uh, Felix would meet with him, hoping for a bribe. But you got the idea. Every time he wanted to talk with him, Paul went and tried again. I Man, I can give unconditional friendship. I can be, a, and this is why it's so important to have conversations. This isn't a one-shot deal. I mean, some of you have been praying for a friend for years. Some of you have been praying for a son-in-law for years. Some of you have been praying
1: for a next-door neighbor for years. Don't stop! I'm I'm an answer to those prayers of my parents. I can look at my dad's prayer journal and see for years. I, I was like entry 1A. And he kept praying and kept praying. And I'm so thankful that he didn't give up. Okay,
0: so I'm going to have a word of prayer. I'll wrap us up here. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you'd convince us that if we know enough to love people, we know enough. If we know enough that you saved us from our sins, we know enough to tell people that good news. If we know enough that you're the one who gives us hope and strength for every day, Lord, convince us we know enough to share that. If I can just say, I was blind, but now I see. I know enough. And Father, it's not about us good enough being good enough. You're good enough. You're the one who makes us good anyway. And all of our righteousness comes from you. And Father, if, we're, if we can just do this as we go and share the good news while we're eating and serving and having ordinary celebrations, just including a friend, we're going fishing anyway. We invite people to our small groups. Come meet my small group. I'm going to church. Come join me for worship. And God, we can share the good news. I pray, Lord, you help us see this as a way to thrive, not as a burdensome duty. This will make our joy complete. We can participate in why you came into the world, the same mission that you came to save us. We can be a part of helping reach a lost world. One person at a time. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.